Thank you, team. Thank you, everyone. It's an incredible joy to be here on this day of the announcement of our new pastor that's coming, Pastor Jason and Bonnie and Sadie and Cannon and Declan and Layla and Paxton. Isn't that fantastic that they're coming? Praise the Lord. It's such a good deal. And I'm so glad that you're here today. You are a congregation that is devoted to the Word of God, to the mission of God, and uh, to be a part of this pastoral team is an incredible privilege, and to serve the church is an amazing, amazing privilege always, but especially here. And so I just want to say thank you for being a part of this. Welcome to all of you who are watching via Facebook or listening on Mars Hill Radio. If you're new with us, we are in week number two of a series called Strapped. And we're learning how to manage our money in a way that hopefully we will not be so strapped in our lives. Now we know that some of you feel just like this guy on the screen. You feel just like this person financially. This is how it feels because you just can't quite get out from underneath the weight of everything that's happening. That's some of the people in our congregation. Others of you in the congregation, you're like this guy. You kind of do uh, what is on this next little, there you go. There's some of you in the congregation, that's, you've got so much money, you just ski on it, right? Like that's how you're, you kind of go like this, right? And some of you go, who are those people? You want to know, right? But you know what? For most of us, we're somewhere in between, right? We're somewhere in between the person that has the big pack on their back and Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> you know, swimming in his, in his gold vault, most of us live somewhere in between this. Pastor Roger launched our series a couple weeks ago, and so if you missed it, uh, go to the website and watch it. I, w I won't forget that message. You know how sometimes you feel like the preacher is talking just to you, looking you right in the eye, you know, speaking right to you? Well, somehow in that message, the subject of golf and Starbucks, and he was kind of looking right over there where I was sitting like two weeks ago, and I was just like... Man, oh man, I'm sweating here in this message, right? But it was a good biblical foundation start to our message on how we manage our finances. We learned in that first week that as Christians, we don't want to serve money. You cannot, according to scripture, serve both God and money. You just can't do it. So we don't serve money, we serve God. Money is to serve us as we serve God. God. We have to get those things in the right order. And Pastor Roger did a brilliant job of launching us a couple weeks ago. I love teaching on this topic because it allows us to understand just how amazing and helpful the Bible is to each and every one of us. The Bible talks about money almost more than any other subject. Not because of the subject of money itself. It's because money, how we handle our money is a reflection of what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our spirit. It's something that we're called to steward. God created this earth and said, steward this earth, take care of it. And part of stewardship is taking care of those resources. So I love teaching on this topic. And today I want to talk to you about saving and investing money. 
Now, there are two types of people. There are those who tend to like to save, and then there are people who maybe have more of the spiritual gift of, of spending, right? So how many of you would say, I'm a saver? I'm on that side of the column. I like to be a saver. Raise up your hands. Just raise them up high. Be proud of that. I, I'm a saver. Okay, good. All kinds of you are savers in this congregation. You're probably married to a spender. <laughs> right? That's kind of how it goes. Right? That's what happens. So uh, how many of you would say, well, I'm kind of a spender. Just raise up your hands. Your hand, raise them up, raise them up. Look all over the place. Listen, if you're sitting next to a spender and they're not raising their hand, raise it for them because now we're going to call the ushers, okay? We need the ushers to come again and we need some spending going on around here, right? New pastors coming. We need some spending happening. Um, that, wouldn't that be helpful? Wouldn't that be great? Three or four offerings? Yeah, that would, that would go over real good, right? My goal for the end of this message is that you'll walk away knowing more about money from God's word, but even more importantly, that you will feel an overwhelming sense of God's love and acceptance, that you will know you are loved and you are accepted no matter what side of that equation that you're on right now. God loves you the way you love your children. Part of the way that you love your kids is that you do everything that you can to take care of your children. You do everything that you can to provide for your kids. You provide for your children. But you also do everything you can. You provide for them, but you also prepare them. So in giving them provision when they're young, you also teach them. And you prepare them so that they are able to steward and and they're able to thrive in this world and prosper. We want our kids to prosper, right? Well, God is our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father looks at each one of us and wants us to prosper, wants us to do well in every way. And doing well with finances is one of those ways that we can prosper in this world. And God loves you like a dad or a mom or a grandpa or a grandma or an aunt or an uncle, the way we love the children. That's how God loves each and every one of us, because we're his children. So you do that by sharing wisdom, and that's what God does for us through his word. I'm going to give you five principles for saving and investing money. This is a big picture view today, right? And I have some resources that we're going to offer as well that are going to be on our website, and they're going to be on the Facebook page. So just a few resources. There are probably thousands of them out there. And I'm just offering a few today, and we're going to take a high-level view, a high-level, helpful biblical view of saving and investing money. And we're going to start with a verse from a wisdom book in the Bible, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 11. Hear the word of the Lord today. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. This is the word of God for the people of God. I love the way that the King James Version puts this. I like it better than what I just read from the New International Version. They're both good. Here's how the King James begins this passage. Wealth gathered by vanity shall be diminished, 
But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. The metaphor of gathering money by vanity, it suggests this uh, concept of easy money, right? You know, most of the time we think, just give me that easy money, right? I just want that easy money. Just bring it on, right? Let's go to Vegas. Let's get some easy money going. Let's play the 649. Let's figure out how we're going to win Monopoly at McDonald's. I mean, whatever we've got to do. Oh, wouldn't it be great? Just wouldn't it be great? Just give me some of that easy money, folks. You know, bring it on, right? But easy money, according to the scripture and according to Proverbs 13, money gained by vanity, it's sort of like money gained out of the air, money gained as a vapor. And that includes gaining money in ways through tyranny, through injustice, through extortion, through lies, and through windfalls at the expense of others. Wealth gathered by vanity shall be diminished, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Let me give you an exercise that is uh, part of the 8th grade curriculum, or at least at one point was part of the 8th grade curriculum here in Ontario. Uh, this is a choice. Would you rather, what, what would you rather? Would you rather that I said to you at the beginning of a month, I could say at the end of this month, I'm going to give you $1 million dollars. Or, I am going to give you, let you have one penny at the beginning of the month, and that penny is going to double every day for a month. Now, how many of you would just say, just give me the million? Raise up your hands. How many would say, just give me the million there? Okay, some of you are just like, yeah, just give me the million. That's a million, right? Well, guess what would happen if you, if you chose the other way? If you chose one penny on the first day, two pennies on the second day, four pennies on the third day, and so on. Do you realize that at the end of 31 days, you will have $10,737,418.20? Praise the Lord. Hey, right? I raise a hallelujah to that. Wouldn't that be something? Little by little. You take the penny little by little and you watch it grow. God loves you so much. He's given this principle from Proverbs. Put some money away, little by little, with patience. If you do, the money will grow. But even more importantly than the money growing, you will grow as a person. You're going to grow. Do you realize that God wants more for your life God wants more for you than God ever wants from you. That's that principle again, like with how we treat the kids. We want more for our children than we want from our children. And what happens when the children get mixed up? You want me to take out the garbage? You know, and all that kind of deal. Like you've heard that voice, right? That voice has come back to you. You've been that voice when you were young, right? And you think, oh, they want so much from me around here. Folks, listen, God wants more for you than he ever wants from you. And that's a principle of Scripture, that God loves you as his child, and he wants you to grow as a person. So five principles today that we're going to talk about in this saving and investing big picture look at the Scriptures. So just repeat them after me. Number one, be honest. Be wise. Be prayerful. Be disciplined. Be grateful.
Number one, be honest. It's on your outline today, so you can take your outline and listen to this scripture from Proverbs 27. Be honest. The writer of Proverbs says this, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. As humans, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but we can be prone to distort reality. I'm not sure if you've ever had this kind of, you know, whether you've thought of yourself in a way that wasn't really the way that things were going on. There are a few people in our church who actually deal with literal flocks and herds. It's pretty cool, right? We live in an agricultural area, and some of you, actually, your wealth is wrapped up in flocks and herds. But for most of us, this scripture from Proverbs illustrates a principle about being honest about the condition of your finances. We all have different wiring patterns. Some of us are naturally drawn to managing finances, and others would rather pierce their own ear with a ball-peen hammer, right, than to manage their finances, right? That's just kind of how some of us are wired. But God wants you to grow as a person. And the way that you grow, the very first way you grow in saving and investing is you've got to be honest. You've got to have an honest look at what's going on in your life financially. In his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins talks about facing the brutal facts with faith. Sometimes the picture isn't pretty. Pastor Roger laid out the national stats a couple weeks ago regarding people in debt in Canada. Canadians on average spend $1.74 for every dollar they earn. And this is a recipe for big financial problems. So before I go any further, I, wanted, I want you to do something Pastor Roger recommended a couple of weeks ago. So just go ahead, because I was like, man, let's all, we all need to do this. He said we need to shake off the guilt, folks. So listen, take a minute, just don't hit your neighbor, but just go ahead and shake it off. Shake the guilt off, right? Ah, oh, just do it for a second. Feels good, right? We're shaking guilt off in here. This is not about you feeling bad. This is not about making anybody feel guilty about this. Do it one more time. Just shake it off. There you go. Yeah. Just get all that guilt. We're shaking off the guilt. These messages are not about piling on in your life or piling on guilt. God wants you to know your love no matter what. No matter how much is in your bank account, no matter how much that you know right now about your finances, no matter how much debt you're in, the first step out, the first step, just like the first step out of addiction or the first step out of marriage conflict, or the first step out of being out of shape, is to be completely honest. Do you know the condition of your finances? Do you know how much you earn? Do you know how much you pay in taxes? Do you know how much you save? Do you know how much you give? And do you know how much you need? Like, do you know these things? I've put a resource on the website that you can go to. It's just a very simple resource and you can go to it and you can just, that'll help you lay this out. We have, a, we have a group meeting right now on Saturday mornings talking about these kinds of issues. If you want more information, just contact us at the church about that and we'll help you get some simple tools on this. Do you know, uh, do you know what's happening in your finances? Do you know the condition? And so you can refer to that resource sheet. So number one, be honest. You have to be honest. Number two, be wise. 
Proverbs 6, 8, I love this. Solomon is almost being a little bit of a smart aleck. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. You sluggard. Look at the ant, the tiny little creature. And he said, consider its ways and be what? Wise. The ant. So big old human, real smart human, conscious, you know, being, sentient being. And he says, look at the ant. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. And yet, what does the ant do? The ant stores its provisions in summer. It stores its provisions in summer and it gathers its food at harvest. In other words, if you're out having a picnic on a beautiful spring day and you drop a piece of fried chicken, an ant's going to come along and go, ooh, baby, fried chicken, right? And the ant's going to eat a little bit of that fried chicken, but you know what else that ant is going to do? That ant is going to go store up, I don't know where he puts it, but he's going to store up that fried chicken for later. He's going to save some of that fried chicken because he's like, man, I might need some down the road. There might be a rainy day when I can't come out and get the fried chicken, so I'm going to put the fried chicken away. And the scripture says, look at the ant. It's wise enough to save. Next verse, Proverbs 21.20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice, food, and oil. In other words, the wise don't consume everything they have. They have leftovers. What kind of a man? But what kind of a man? The Bible says, but a foolish man does what? The foolish man devours all he has. Now we could say a modern translation would be that he lives paycheck to paycheck. He eats everything that comes in, spends every bit of what's coming in. In Canada, we're spending even more than that. And I don't want to make anybody feel bad that shouldn't feel bad. I know that there are single moms, single dads, in some cases couples just starting out making minimum wage, and you are fighting like crazy. You are in the battle. And we want to commend you. We want to just say, we're so proud of you. Because you're in there and you're fighting and it's not easy and you're paying your bills and it almost seems miraculous. So I don't want to belittle the struggle at all. But the reality is that in Canada and in North America, we have a whole bunch of people that are not just starting out, but they're still just going paycheck to paycheck. If 55% or more of North Americans live paycheck to paycheck, that's a lot more people than just the ones who are on the battle starting out. People that are being actually foolish, eating up all they have and not saving a thing. So let's talk about saving. It seems basic, but I think it's worth covering. What do we save for? What are we supposed to save for? You're supposed to save for three things primarily. Number one, you're supposed to save for emergencies. Save for a rainy day. You're supposed to save for when that furnace just blows up or when the car just is on the side of the road. You're supposed to save up for those moments of emergencies. Then you're supposed to save up for the purchases that you want to make. You know, just to save up. When, when we were young, we went to a system where it was envelopes. It was dollars in envelopes. And my wife, she's down here today. I'm telling you, man, she is strong because I was like, well, just more dollars. And she, you know, nope, they're going that envelope, that envelope. I couldn't, I couldn't get it from her, right? There were dollars in the envelopes. When the dollars were gone, that was it. That's what got spent, right? That's what, how it happened. 
So you save for your purchases. And, I, and in those envelopes, there was also an envelope that said tithes and offerings. There was an envelope for donations to other good causes. And there was an envelope for all the rest. And then you save for the future. You save for emergencies. You save for what you're buying and purchasing now and what you're giving now. And you save for the future. Three key things. And the Bible had it right all along. The Bible has been saying this for generation after generation after generation. It is so relevant to our lives. David Bach is a personal finance author who's popularized a couple of concepts. Let me share the first one with you. The first concept is called the latte factor. I just recommend that you read this concept of the latte factor. And this is what he says. He says, small amounts of money invested over time turn into a mountain of cash. He says, let's assume $3.50 a day. I don't know what a latte costs. I drink tea, by the way. I don't know what a latte costs, but let's assume it's $3.50. It might be more than that in some places. But let's assume $3.50 a day at 6%. He said the result over 30 years would be $106,000. Just that one latte per day, if you saved that, you would have $106,000. This goes back to Proverbs 13:11. Little by little, money earned will grow. So be honest with yourself about where your money goes. Then be wise and put away a little bit at a time. And take a moment today. Look at our website at uh, centennialroad.com. Just look that over. Or look on Facebook. It's going to be there, just some of these resources. Thirdly this morning, so number one, be honest. Number two, be wise. Number three, be prayerful. Be prayerful. James 4 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Does that sound like any people that you know in your life that might be just quarreling over money? Money's the number one, as Pastor Roger said a couple weeks ago, money's the number one cause of family conflict. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have, James says, because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You're like, God, give me the easy money, right? God, just bring some of that easy money around here, right? It's absolutely legitimate to want to prosper. That's a legitimate, God-given trait in human beings. God wants you to prosper. But God wants you to prosper not just financially. He wants you to prosper spiritually, emotionally, physically, and intellectually. And we do this by engaging in a relationship with God. And what's that relationship with God? It's the scripture and prayer. It's taking time to pray. And some of the people in your life, and maybe some of us that are here today, maybe you're in a position where you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot to pray. Have I prayed about my finances? Have I prayed about how I'm going to be managing my resources in 2020? Have you taken time to pray? The greatest investment you can ever make isn't a financial investment. The greatest investment you can ever make is the investment in prayer. And in prayer, you can ask God for anything. Do you realize that? I'm God's child. I'm God's son, you're God's daughter. 
my kids, it's amazing. They come and they ask. They ask for big stuff sometimes. Daddy, can I go skiing? Daddy, can I, uh, daddy, you know, it's like, wow. And do you know what my mind, do you know what my mind is? My mind is, okay, okay, that seems big. That one's big. Disney World, big, you know, that's a big one, you know. Can we try to make that happen? Because I would love to see, and if it can be, if it can be made to happen, we're going to, if it's good for them, if it's helpful for them, then we're going to try to make that happen. This is the same way. When you go to God, you can ask God for anything. And if it's not good for you, God's going to redirect you in prayer. God will redirect you and give you peace about what you're asking. Some of you just need to free it up and just say, God, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to begin to ask. I'm going to begin to walk in faith. I'm going to believe you love me. I'm going to believe what the Bible says, that I'm truly loved, that you so love the world. That's the greatest investment you can ever make. What did Jesus do when he taught the disciples how to pray? In the middle of the prayer, it said this, give us this day our daily bread. Proverbs 30, 7 to 9. Let me ask you as a congregation, let's pray this together, okay? Let's pray this prayer. You can pray the scriptures. Let's, let's say this out loud as a prayer to God, okay? From Proverbs 30, 7 to 9. Let's, one, two, three, go. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Pray, 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 and pray some more. Pray for a godly outlook on your finances. God wants you to prosper, but God does not want you to prosper financially at the cost of your soul. God wants you to be right in the balance on all these things. Number four, be disciplined. Be disciplined. First Timothy talks about money. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We need to be disciplined about how we look at the overall money in our life. That second concept that I learned from David Bach a number of years ago is to make it as simple as you possibly can. And actually, it's to be disciplined by not having to be disciplined every day. This is what he teaches in, in a book that was written many years ago called The Automatic Millionaire. And this is the principle that in that book, humans are creatures of impulse and habit. Whenever something requires discipline, the easiest way to consistently achieve it is to remove ourselves from the equation and eliminate the need for willpower altogether. You need to be disciplined 
early and once so that you don't have to be disciplined every day. His wise recommendation is to automate where your money goes. And it's never been easier than today to do this. The discipline you need is the discipline to do it once and then to check it once or twice a year. Because you just automate everything. You make a decision. I want to give this much to God's work. And so we have that opportunity around here. We just set it and for, we, we think about it a year later because we just set it automatically. We make our decision, we automate it. You do this with your bills. You can do this with all kinds of things. And then it makes it, you make all the decisions and then you figure out, okay, here's, what I, here's where I put the savings. Uh, for retirement, automatic, it just goes. I never see it. You make it automatic where you want to give. You make it automatic the bills you want to pay. Make everything as automatic as you can possibly, possibly make it. Invest your best time and energy in the things God really cares about. Your relationship with God, your family, your church, your community. Being obsessed with money, that's going to lead you away from God. So what I'm saying is be disciplined once, make the automated deal, and then you don't have to think about it every day or every week. You can revisit from time to time. Be disciplined. And final one, be grateful. Have gratitude. Philippians 4, Paul said this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Wow, that's big, right? Man, we're so prone. I'm so prone to be anxious. But Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, here it is again, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me close with this. Jesus told us to pray to God as our Heavenly Father. Now, as a parent, do you want your children to worry? Do you like it when your children are anxious? Give me a, one of these or one of these. Do you like it when your children are anxious? Not one of us likes it. We don't want our children to worry. God doesn't want you to worry. You'll do anything that you can to see that your kids aren't anxious. When we as human beings rebelled against God and went our own way, we brought death into the world. And do you realize death is preceded by anxiety? There's just massive anxiety around, around death. Can't be helped. So when we went our own way, when Adam and Eve rebelled and chose themselves rather than God, they chose to let death enter into the world. And death is preceded by anxiety. But John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, us, so much... God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. He gave us Jesus. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. These bodies may die, but in Jesus we will be resurrected just like Christ. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. When Jesus died on the cross for you, he did it so that you would be resurrected from death. Just like him. If you have everlasting life, what do you have to worry about? 
Really, what do you have to worry about? When the, when the apostles, the original disciples of Jesus, when they, before the cross, they were scared to death, they all ran, they abandoned Jesus. He was alone when he died on the cross. All his friends had abandoned him. The closest one we know was John. He stood back a little bit. The women were closer. They were more courageous. But all, of his, all those men, all those big fishermen, they abandoned him because they were scared out of their mind about death. And Jesus endured death, and three days later, he walks out of the tomb. I ran out of that grave, that song that we sing around here. He comes out of the tomb. Folks, after that, all those apostles were willing to lay their life down because they knew, yeah, you can kill this body once, but Jesus is going to raise it up again. And I don't have anything to worry about. I have no anxiety, so we need to be grateful to God. We need to be grateful because there's more than this material life. There's life to come, and it's been given to us freely in Jesus. We don't have to be anxious about our finances or our educations or our jobs or any of these things. We don't have to worry about them. We can be diligent. We can do all the right things with them. But it's really about the life in Jesus Christ is what we're talking about. We're called to be thankful to God. And when we are, we recognize how God, how loved we are in God. And it opens up all the possibilities in the world. Every possibility is opened up to us so we can be grateful to God. Next week, Pastor Roger is going to just continue this, uh, this series. And he's going to talk about what it means to take that gratitude and turn it into action in giving to God. And he's gonna, just going to do an amazing, amazing job on this. But I want us to close today just being thankful to God. And when I was writing this message this week, this song just kept going through my head over and over and over. Some of you may not know it. It's an old song, but it's one that I'll just teach you really briefly. And this is how we're going to close this message. And then I'm going to pray for you. It goes like this. It goes, thank you, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me stand with me.